If you found James chapter number 3 and verse number 4, say amen. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven by fierce winds. Yet are they turned about with a very small helm. Whithersoever the governor listeth. Let's read that again. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven by fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm. Just a little bit of turning can change a lot of direction. Whithersoever the governor listeth. I want to preach for a little while this morning. Ships upon the sea. Ships upon the sea. God, I thank you, Lord. I believe you've spoken for this morning and tonight's services. God, I thank you for your people for your presence, God, for this music team that has led us into worship and this congregation that has responded. And God, I feel your presence here. I feel the draw of the Holy Ghost in this house today. Oh God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak your word with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I ask you, God, to accomplish something that only you can do, things that are beyond the realm of the capabilities of humanity, but rest solely in your hands, God. I ask you to do it and to confirm your word with signs following in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. And you can be seated this morning. The Jewish people of the Bible were primarily an agricultural group of people. They were primarily farmers and shepherds with very few inclinations to go upon the sea. Though they had on their west the coast of the Mediterranean, they showed little desire to really become seafaring people. It cannot be lost upon us, however, that the Bible, that in the Bible, the sea often represents danger and evil, even death. It is regarded in the scripture in terms of physical, moral, and spiritual evil. In the creation narrative, the sea's creation is not even mentioned. We hear of God claiming and speaking the rest of creation into its existence, but there is no mention of him actually creating the sea. It appears that it existed in the chaos. The Bible said that darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. We know that God created the sea, yet the Bible does not pronounce it as it does other facets of creation. God creates things and then he pronounces that they are good. But the waters are just existing as part of that chaos that God had to bring to order. As such, God repeatedly proclaimed his creation to be good. He created the heavens and the earth. He created the light and the darkness, and then he said it's good. He created the trees and the plants, and he said it's good. But the Bible never declares that the sea is good. It only says that he separated it from the land. In Proverbs chapter 8, God, the Bible said, set a limit on the sea so that it would stay within its boundaries and not overtake the land. While the Bible clearly presents the ancient Jewish people as farmers and shepherds, It does not mean that boats and ships don't play a role in the Scripture. There are some 140 different mentions of boats, ships, or the ark in the Bible. 
The story of Noah and its great ark serves as the pattern for the church. Jesus employed fishermen who were familiar with boats as his disciples. Some of the most faith-stirring stories of the New Testament are centered around times when Jesus was on a boat or on a ship. This was so prominent in the minds of the early church that the ship for a time was a symbol of the early Christian church. It represented a church that was tossed in the sea of unbelief and worldliness and persecution, but heading towards safe harbor with souls in tow. One need not be a prophet to notice that there is an increase in wickedness in the world that we live in. The Bible prophesied that the closer we get to the end of time, that there would be a rise in wickedness in the earth. Man seems to never be satisfied with his sins, but always wanting more. Genesis 6 and 5, the Bible said that God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were on evil continually. The Bible said that the wickedness of man was great. That word in the original Hebrew means increasing. In Matthew 24 and 12, Jesus said, because iniquity does abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That word abound also means to increase. Because wickedness is going to increase, people are going to struggle to say, on fire and in love with the Lord. 2 Timothy 3.13, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. That word wax in the original Greek means to increase. You can see the Bible teaches that as we ever get closer to the end, that there will be an increase in the wickedness of this world. 2 Timothy 2.16, shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Sin that appears to be a harmless maneuver today will eventually lead you down a path of increasing bondage more and more as time goes. The little sin that satisfied you yesterday will not be enough for you tomorrow. And it will require more and more in the coming days. Sin always pushes people to indulge in greater wickedness to satisfy the thirst for evil within. Isaiah 5.14 tells us that because of this ever-increasing wickedness in the world, that hell hath enlarged herself. Wickedness and evil, hell has to grow. Wickedness, abounding iniquity, worse and worse. All of these words lead us to know that this sea of worldliness that we are living in wants to destroy your soul and your family and your children. It comes in one relentless wave after another. One thing after another. One temptation after another. Over and over the waves of this sea come and go, eroding a little bit of faith each and every time it arrives. Romans 5 and 20 said, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Can I tell you, in a world that has ever-increasing sinfulness, there is also ever-increasing grace in this generation. The sin is not the only thing that abounds. Sin is not the only thing that increases. But the Bible said that where sin abounded, grace doth much more abound. 
You can make it in this world if you want to. You can live for God if you want to. You can serve him if you want to. Because grace abounds more than sin does. And so we are all left navigating the dangerous seas of this generation, the waves of life, but thankfully God's grace abounds. This morning and tonight, I'm going to talk about three ships upon the sea in the Bible and what they mean to us. This morning, we're going to talk about two Old Testament ships, and tonight we'll talk about one New Testament ship. Perhaps two of the most prominent ships of all of history are Noah's Ark and Jonah's ship that he took to Tarshish. Jonah. Jonah is an interesting character in the Bible to me. When it comes to him, he's probably my least favorite quote-unquote hero of the Bible. He's rebellious. He's grumpy. He's whiny. And if there's anything I dislike, it's whininess. I used to tell my girls that I don't speak their language. I don't speak whinies. He sulks and complains constantly. If you ever run into somebody who is always unhappy with others, always complaining about somebody or something or everything, always mad at something or someone. Let me just tell you, they're the ones with the problem, not you. Well, I thought I'd get an amen. Maybe I'm preaching to you and you're just saying, oh, me. But that's the truth. That, somebody that's always upset about something, that's a them problem. They need to get the joy of the Lord in their life. Well, praise God. I'll try not to wake you up this morning. But even with all of Jonah's faults, God used him. Jonah won and won. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. God wanted to save Nineveh, and so he sent Jonah to preach to the city. It was a big job, 120,000 souls. It's obvious that God knew that even with all of Jonah's faults, that Jonah was capable of doing something for him. Can I tell you that God showed a lot of confidence in Jonah when it didn't look to anybody else like Jonah deserved it? Don't you ever look at God and say, God, why are you using that person? Because God knows what's in them better than we do. Amen. And you may feel like you can't do it, but God knows you can do it. And so God has called Jonah this whiny, complaining, grumpy, sulking prophet to go to save 120,000 souls. God showed confidence in Jonah. In, but here's what Jonah did. In verse number 3 of Jonah 1, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went the opposite way from where God was telling him to go. And the Bible said he paid the fare thereof. He paid a price for the journey that he took. Had Jonah obeyed God, he would have not been on the sea. Can I tell you, there are some, some ships on the sea because of their own disobedience. Praise God. Jonah had decided that he had gone far enough obeying God. He had done enough of what God had asked him to do. And now it's time for him to do what he wants to do. Can I tell you that disaster always comes when somebody tells God, I've done all for you I'm willing to do. I'm going to do what I want to do now. 
When somebody in holiness begins to tell God, this is as far as I'm going. I'm not giving up this or this or this. You're you're paying the fare for a journey on the sea that you don't want to take. Amen. When you tell God, this is all I'm willing to do for you. This is as far as I'm willing to go. And you begin to board the ship going the opposite way from God. You are buying trouble for you and your family and everyone in your world. The next verses, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners, the sailors were afraid. I'm going to tell you, when you see sailors start to get scared, you better get scared. If you're ever on a flight and the flight attendants act afraid, Repent while you got a chance. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares, everything on the ship that they were carrying was cast into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship And he lay and was fast asleep. Jonah, the cause of all the trouble, doesn't even realize the danger that he's in. The ship is about to be broken. The sea, the mariners are afraid and crying to their gods. And while the ship is about to be broken, Jonah is fast asleep. It's a dangerous place to be when you are close to destruction and don't even realize it. When everyone around you can see that you're heading in a dangerous dangerous direction, but you can't even tell that your life is spiraling out of control. It's a dangerous thing when you're on the sea and the storm is coming, but you're so you're so out of it that you don't even realize at the danger that you're in. I've seen people as they walk away from God and I can see the danger coming. I can see the trouble coming and I try to preach about it and I try to preach about it and I pray about it and it seems that they're the ones everybody else can see that they're headed for disaster but that Jonah is asleep in the ship oblivious to the fact that their life is about to be torn upside down. Keep going on their way in their own direction while everyone around them suffers. Jonah put every single shipmate in peril. Everyone on that ship was in danger because of Jonah's actions. When someone puts themselves on the sea by disobedience and sin, They put everyone around them into danger. Praise God. You hear me, Daddy? You hear me, Mama? You hear me, young person? When you decide to go away from God, everyone in your world is in danger because of your decisions. Jonah's decision didn't only affect Jonah, but every man on that boat was in danger because of Jonah's decision. He made a decision that put other people at risk. That's why dads, when it's worship time, you better throw your hands up and worship. Moms, when it's praying time, you better lift your voice and pray. When it's church time, turn off your TV, shut down your sports and activities, close it down, and come to the house of God because you don't want to go and put your family in danger on the sea. is in danger but Jonah's asleep and doesn't even realize that they're about to die and it's all his fault preacher you're not going to tell me what I can do 
You're not going to tell, I'll do what I want. I'll live the way I want. Well, you do what you want to do, but you understand you've got a ship on the sea and you've got cargo. And your decisions are not just putting you at risk. It's putting everyone in your world at risk. There are some who say, God, why am I in this storm? As if it's God's fault. But the truth was, Jonah, you're the one that went down to the sea. You're the one that reached into your pocket and pulled out the fare for the ticket. You walked the gangplank onto the ship. You decided to disobey God and go in the opposite direction from your calling and your anointing. And the storm is the result of your actions. Some ships are on the sea because they're simply going from the opposite direction of their purpose. Jonah was running from God's presence, but God wasn't willing to just let Jonah go. And so the Bible says that Jonah prepared, that God prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Brother Wilson, I was reading on, uh, on, uh, on, on uh, Friday, I was driving. Actually, I wasn't driving. I was riding. I got in, I got in from the Philippines 11 o'clock Thursday night, and I left 11 o'clock Friday to go preach an anniversary service in Kentucky. And Connor, who I can barely recognize this morning, drove me. And while he was driving, I was just going through. I was going through, and I saw this, 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 uh, this cartoon. And it was a teacher that was standing in front of a class. And the teacher said, it is physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human being. Their throat's too short. They're too, too narrow. And the, a student in the class said, Jonah got swallowed by a whale. And the teacher said, again, it's scientifically impossible. The little girl said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him how it happened. And so the teacher said, well, what if Jonah didn't go to heaven? She said, then you can ask him. I see it blessed you as much as it blessed me. Some ships are on the sea because they're going the wrong direction. But God prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Sometimes the things that come into our life are not designed to destroy us, but to change our direction. Jonah was in the belly, the Bible said, of the fish three days and three nights until we see these God-sent storms as interventions and not punishments. We won't get any better. We'll only get bitter. Some difficult circumstances in life are not the punishment of God. It's the intervention of God to tell you you're going the wrong way. Turn around while you still got time. That fish was not a punishment for Jonah. It was salvation for Jonah. That fish was not punishment to Jonah. It was to turn. It was to turn his direction. Ships upon the sea. Some difficult circumstances you may be facing right now may be a God-sent storm of mercy intended to be an intervention in your life. The misery in the belly of the whale must have been horrible. The darkness, the smell of, of, the smell of living fish is bad enough, but the smell of dead fish. Three days and three nights of misery but then something finally happened to Jonah. Jonah 2 and 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my affliction. See, I didn't cry back on the shore in Joppa. I wasn't crying when the Lord came and said, go to Nineveh. Everything was good. But God had to turn my world upside down because if it wasn't for my affliction, then I would have just kept going the direction that I was going. And so he said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. Somebody that's going through something that you know is a result of you letting your life drift away from God, you ought to wave your hand and say, thank you, God, that you care enough about me to try to get my attention before it's too late. 
Can I tell you that when God begins, when God begins to afflict one of his children, it's never to destroy them. It's always saying, I don't want you to end up where you're going. I need you to turn around and somebody ought to say, thank God. I might not have prayed had I not gone through my trial. I might not have prayed had I not faced my storm. I cried because of my affliction unto the Lord and he heard me listen to this phrase out of the belly of hell cried I it had to get so bad that I felt like my soul was in hell before I didn't turn around when the first raindrops fell I could have prayed when the first clouds gathered over the ship but I didn't pray when the first clouds gathered and when it started sprinkling, I didn't pray. And when the wind started picking up and I could see the sail getting a little bit more full, I didn't, I didn't start praying then either. And as the rain got harder and harder, I didn't talk to God. It, it took me almost dying and being thrown into the sea and swallowed by a fish. But out of the belly of hell, cried I. Let's face it, some of us, if we would have prayed when we first started wanting to be worldly, we wouldn't be where we are right now. If we would have worshipped when we first felt the draw of the world on our heart, we wouldn't be where we are. But from the belly of hell cried I. But listen, that's... That, that, that verse, can you, can you put Jonah 2 and 2 back up there for me? And he heard me, out of the belly of hell cried I. Aren't you glad that that's a comma and not a period? Aren't you thankful that it didn't, just, the story didn't end with him crying out of the belly of hell? But the Bible said, and thou heardest my voice can I tell you you may feel like you're in hell but God hears your voice when you're crying today you may be going through the worst trial of your life but God hears you when you cry if he heard Jonah if he heard Jonah in the belly of hell he'll hear you in Bethlehem church today if he heard Jonah from the belly of hell he'll hear you from right where you are Look at verse number five, same chapter. And the waters can pass me about even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. You may be desperate, but I don't think you're that desperate. Jonah, Jonah. Why did it have to get so bad to get you to pray? Jonah, why did it take you going to the depth of the sea with weeds wrapped around your head for you to realize I got to change my direction? Verse number seven, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. Man, I like this verse. I'm trying not to teach a Bible study, but maybe I am. But I like that verse. Look, he said, he, he, what, what did he say in verse number five? What did he say earlier? He said, in, in verse two, he said, from the belly of hell I cried. In verse five, he said, from the depth I cried. Here he said, the waters compassed me about. Here he is in the belly of of a great fish in the depth of the sea, seaweed wrapped around his head in the depth, he says, it's from the belly of hell. He said, and when my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord and my prayer came in unto thee. I prayed in hell, but you heard me in your holy temple. I prayed from the depth of the sea, but you heard me in the holy temple. I prayed in the depth of my circumstance, but you heard me in the courts of heaven. Can I tell you, you may be going through the worst trial of your life. You may be facing the worst difficulty you ever faced. But can I give you some good news? That in the middle of your situation, you can pray in hell. And God will hear you in heaven. 
Somebody ought to just pray, praise the Lord. Somebody, somebody ought to call out to God. You ought to call out in your, God, I need you. Man, I love this verse. I love that last phrase that he heard in his holy temple. I'm not holy. I'm, I'm, I'm covered with fish guts. I'm in the belly of hell. I got seaweed wrapped around my head. I'm in the depth. I'm so far from where you called me. I'm so far from where you sent me. I'm so far from where I'm supposed to be. But when I cried in hell, you heard me in your holy temple. Don't you ever let the devil tell you that God doesn't hear you when you pray. Don't you ever let the, my God, I feel something right now. Don't you ever let the devils of hell tell you that you're so bad that God won't hear you when you cry. From the belly of hell, I cried, and God heard me in his holy temple. I was rebellious, but God heard me. I went the wrong way, but God heard me. I was so far from him, but God heard me. He heard me in heaven, in his holy temple. There's no doubt. So, so we're talking about uh, we're talking about ships on the sea. One in position because of disobedience. In position on the sea because of their own actions. And now we turn to Noah's Ark. If you, I did a Google search on Noah's on the Noah Bible story and. and in, in less than one second, it had 25,200,000 hits. I guess it's a well-known story. The Bible said that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, that he was perfect in his generations. He lived uprightly in his time. Noah was upright and a preacher of righteousness, but his generation was wicked and evil. In verse 5 of Genesis 6, God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was on evil continually. Can I tell you that God sees the wickedness of this world? God sees the thoughts of the heart. And the Bible said that it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. Don't think that sin doesn't bother God. Don't think that sin doesn't hurt the heart of God. When somebody sins, it bothers God. It grieves him at his heart. And the Lord said, I'll destroy man who I've created from the face of the earth. Man and beast, creeping thing, fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I ever made them. I'm sorry, I even made man. The original Hebrew word for grieve there means to carve up, to cut up. It cut God's heart because men were sinful. But verse number 8 of Genesis 6, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace. If you learn languages, like in Spanish, if you want to say big house, Eli, help me out here. If I want to say big house in Spanish, how do I say it? Casa grande. But grande means big. Casa means house. But if I want to say big house, it's house big. It's just the order of language. In the ancient Hebrew, when it says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, what the original text says is that grace found Noah. Not that Noah found grace, but grace found Noah. In the middle of a world full of sin, grace found Noah. In the middle of a world full of unrighteousness, grace found Noah. In the middle of people sinning all around, God, how can you even find, but grace found Noah. Can I tell you, if you're willing to live for God, grace will find you. If you'll serve God and live righteously, grace will find you. If you'll serve him with all your heart, he'll find you when, he fe when you feel like no eyes are on you, the eyes of God and his grace will find you. I'm trying to hurry. I've got a, way, a little ways to go, and I've got to go faster. If you want grace to find you, you've got to be involved in the work of God. Noah found grace, not only because he built an ark to the saving of his house, but he was a preacher of righteousness. He didn't only want to save his, he reached for others. If you want to find grace, be somebody that's always reaching out for other people, too. 
Genesis 6, 13 and 14. Man, I'm going into another gear. You're going to have to pray that I can keep up. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me and the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, thou shalt pitch it within and without. Noah, make an ark, make a ship, make a boat. Because I'm going to destroy the earth. And that boat is going to be on the sea. They built the ark exacting to God's plan. Genesis 7, 17 and 18. And the flood was 40 days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth, and the waters prevailed, and they were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. One ship, Jonah's, was on the sea because of his disobedience. But Noah's ship was on the sea because God was carrying him to another place. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He wasn't in the storm because of his sin. But the storm took Noah to places where he had never been before. The sunshine never made the ark rise. The blue sky never made the ark rise. The clear days never made the ark rise. But the Bible said in verse 17, the flood was 40 days upon the earth and the waters increased and bare up the ark and it was lift up above the earth. It was the storm around Noah that lifted him up. Amen. Can I tell you this? That we had, when was Let's Talk? March. In March, while we were having Let's Talk here in our church, there was a, a pastor from Arkansas, home missions pastor. They were renting a church building. He was sitting about where Brother Zach is, and, uh, and, and he got a phone call. He went out, and, uh, and I noticed that the people in his group started going out, and so I worked my way out to see what was going on. And while he was sitting here in, our, in this conference, in our church building, a tornado took the building that they were renting and completely obliterated it. He sent me a picture when he got home, and there was nothing but the slab. Everything they had, a home mission church, everything they had was completely blown away and completely gone. They lost everything. He stood out on the porch of our church and cried and thought, what are we going to do? Everything we've got, everything we have is gone. What are we going to do? We don't have anything. We don't have, our, we don't have any musical instruments. We don't have any sound equipment. We don't have any chairs. Our baptistry, their, their horse trough was wrapped around a tree. He said, we don't have anything. But last Thursday, a week ago Thursday, my wife and I drove to Little Rock and we went and toured a building that they have just bought because the storm. They were renting a place that wasn't theirs, but the storm elevated them and now they have their own building because the storm, had there not been a storm, they'd still be written from somebody else, but because of the storm. The storm lifted them up. What I've come to tell somebody is you may deal with storms in life, but it might be God lifting you to another level. It may not have anything at all to do with disobedience. It's just God saying, I'm picking you up. Oh, hallelujah. I want to read that verse number 18, Genesis 7 and 18, and the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark went upon the face of the waters. It was the waters of the flood that pushed the ark forward. Amen. I've just come to tell somebody that's been in a storm for a while. That that storm was not sent to destroy you. That storm was sent to elevate you and propel you. That struggle that you've been fighting and facing was not sent to drown you. It was sent to pick you up and take you to a place that you couldn't go without it. No, it would have stayed where it always was. But when the flood came, it pushed that ark. It lifted it up and it pushed it forward. And if you'll let the trials of your life 
If you'll let the trials of your life pick you up and push you forward, you'll go places in God that you never dreamed that you could go. I'm, I'm closing here. The musicians can make their way forward. The singers can make their way forward. Let's do a quick poll. How many came to God when you were going through some circumstance in life that was troubling you? Raise your hands up high. Look at that. Look, look, just keep your hands up. Look around. And here you are. After all that trouble and all that stuff, here you are in the house of the Lord, filled with the Holy Ghost, touched by his presence. Don't tell me God won't make a way in the sea. Don't tell me that God won't make a way in the sea. There are ships upon the sea, but God is taking you to a higher level. The things that you're facing is God's way of elevating you, but you got to let God work and you got to stay right with God. You got to keep serving him and living for him and praying to him and worshiping him and, and, and serving him as much as you can while you're in the storm. Ships upon the sea. I've preached two different kinds of ships in two different kinds of situations. One ship upon the sea because of their disobedience. And one ship upon the sea because God was elevating them and lifting them above the sin and all the things going on in his generation. common denominator of the ships on the sea is that the storm doesn't win God does if you'll call out to him if you're Jonah this morning and you're facing struggles in life because of the choices that you've made the decisions you've made the path that you went down it's just as simple as calling out to God and God will hear you out of heaven and if you're doing all you can to live for God and serve God and you're faithful and you're serving Him and working for Him and you're diligent about living for Him and you find yourself in a storm, you ought to just raise your hand and say, thank God, because that means that God's elevating me through the flood that I'm dealing with in my life. God's propelling me forward into places that I could not get to without him. Noah probably never would have seen the crest of Mount Ararat had it not been for the ark coming to rest on the top of the mountain. Heights that he never would have seen from down below. But because of the storm, he's elevated to a place he wouldn't have got to on his own. As your eyes are closed all over this place, I'm really reaching for two different groups of people. I'm reaching for those who are struggling in the sea because of your own decisions and your own mistakes, your own choices to go the opposite direction from the way the Lord was calling you to go. And I'm preaching to those that are doing all you can and still find yourself in the struggle. But the end result is the same. God makes his way upon the sea. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up. Oh, in the name of Jesus, can you help me pray all over this place? As your eyes are closed, can you help me pray? Come on, let's take some time. God's here to reach for somebody. The hand of God is here to reach for someone. The Spirit of the Lord is drawing. Can somebody help me pray that Jonah in the belly of, in, in the bottom of the ship will wake up before it's too late? 
Will somebody help me pray that Jonah will cry from the belly of hell? Come on, we're going to take a minute and pray. we got some spiritual work we got to do here right now. we got some souls that God's trying to get them turned around this morning. Oh, holy Lamb of God. Come on, help me pray. Help me pray in this house this morning that God would get both Jonah and Noah, that the ships upon the sea would find a safe harbor this morning. I've come to preach to the one that you know you've been away from God and you know you've been rebellious against his will. And you know that you've gone the opposite direction from where the way you ought to go and you know that you're reaping what you sowed. I pray that you have the courage to make your way to an altar and let your ship find safe harbor today. And to one of the saints of God who are serving him with all their heart, and that you find yourself in a struggle dealing with issues and pressures come to tell you God wants to elevate you today. Come on, let's take some time to pray. We're, I, I, I'm, I'm about ready to make an altar call, but I feel like we still got a little bit of praying to do to, to kind of turn the soil over a little bit. Come on, can I get you to help me? Can I get you to plug in with me just for about five minutes right now in prayer? Can I get our intercessors begin to pray that somebody's life would be eternally changed today? The hand of God is for you. Whether you're Jonah or Noah, God is on your side. Whether you're Jonah or Noah, God is with you. Oh God, I cry unto you today. Lord, on behalf of those who may have drifted the opposite direction, I pray for a stirring of the Holy Ghost in this place. Can somebody help me pray for conviction that would draw somebody to an altar this morning? Can you help me pray? Can you help me right now to reach in the spirit towards somebody? I've come to tell you, sir, God is not willing to give you up to the sea. Lift your hands to heaven and let's ask him, God, have your way this morning. Oh, great God of heaven, would you move here this morning? Oh, holy God, have your way. Oh, God, have your way ships upon the sea ships upon the sea why don't you stand to your feet and close your eyes I want to ask you a question I'm not going to ask you if you're Jonah or Noah I'm not going to ask you if you're Jonah or Noah they're going to put you on the spot like that. But as your eyes are closed, if one of the two scenarios I've preached has, it, it has, has touched you and you say, you preach to me, Pastor, I want you just to slip your hand up in the air. There's hands all over this place. Right, you can put your hands down. good for God to prepare a fish if Jonah's not willing to pray. It does no good for God to prepare a great fish to save Noah if Noah's not willing to cry. If Jonah's not willing to cry, it does, he no, does no good for there to be a fish to save him. 
Jonah said, from the belly of hell I cried. Come on, somebody ought to be coming to this altar. If you know God's dealing with you, you ought to step out. Maybe it's been a long time since you walked that aisle. You ought to walk it right now. Whether you're Jonah or whether you're Noah, you ought to find your way to an altar begin to cry out to God. Not to stand and look at God, but to cry out to God. I cried from the depth, but you heard me in your holy temple. Come on, the, the ear of God is tuned into your cry this morning. The ear of God is tuned into your prayer this morning. The ear of God is tuned into your voice. He hears you. Give him something to hear this morning. Give God something to hear in this service. Give God something that he can make the fish spit you out into a whole new place in your life. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. Look around. Find somebody to pray with. The Holy Ghost is moving here. Be led by the Holy Ghost this morning. There's some people that are coming to a reckoning point in life.
sometimes it's just life. But we don't have to stay there. We can rise above it. Amen. Last week the word came to us that it's going to be a quick work. We've already seen it happen this week. And I believe it's happening again this morning. Somebody's life is being turned around just like that. It doesn't take God long to change you. Amen. And on that note, if there's anybody that needs to be baptized in the only name under heaven given among men, that is the name of Jesus, whereby we must be saved. I encourage you to grab somebody this morning and say, I need to be baptized in that name. That's the only way to get your sins washed away. Amen. It's to be baptized in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Don't forget we have meet and greet for any guests that may be here. Uh, if you come for the first time, maybe a few times, you're still trying to get acclimated with us, uh, with the leadership. Uh, the leadership would love to meet and greet with you back in the end of the prayer room discipleship room if you would go back there uh, they have food uh, drinks and fellowship and don't forget tonight prayer at 6 church at 6 30 come worshiping ready to do uh, watch the lord do something in this house tonight amen you're dismissed in the name of the lord jesus